Hi, welcome back to China Manufacturing Decoded from the Sophist Group. Episode 192 today. Adrian hosting here, but I'm joined by Renault. Hi, Renault. Hello, how are you? Hi, Adrian, and hi, everybody. Yeah, I'm good, and I hope all of the listeners all around the world are good as well. It's that time of year. We're recording this at the end of November, and you mm. get all of these Spotify wrapped and, uh, you know, all of your data coming in from the podcasting platforms. And if you mm. anyone listens right. to Spotify, no doubt they've seen it and seen who their favorite artists are and their favorite podcast, which, of course, is China Manufacturing Decoded, I'm sure. And... <laughs> Uh, it was amazing, actually. We got we got listeners uh, all around the world. You know, uh, it's just mm. the states oh, yeah. is is our main is the main place that people are listening, and I guess that kind of makes sense. But well, all over Europe, Asia, it's pretty amazing, actually. Yeah, yeah, everywhere. So yeah, hi to you wherever you are. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, thank you to you wherever you're listening from. That's right. So today yeah. we are talking about what happens if you found the cheapest. Chinese supplier should be should you be wary of this or is it actually a really great thing and sometimes our clients come to us and they're you know they're like well we've been sourcing we found a number of different suppliers one of them really stands out they're offering some great stuff and their price is quite significantly cheaper of course this sounds great this sounds exciting everybody wants a great deal and sure. I guess you can get swept up in the excitement of this but we're not trying to be party poopers here but i think that you've definitely got some cautionary words for people in this position right yeah the the short answer is when we see you know projects with you know about manufacturing a product in china typically and it really goes off the rails and the customer is really disappointed. We, we, we look at it. We say, okay, what, what happened here? And then we look at the sourcing decisions. And usually it's really poor sourcing decisions. And very often it's a case of, well, we picked the cheapest one, you know, because they all kind of looked more or less, you know, the same and couldn't really see a big difference apart that you know from the fact that with this one supplier would make you know that much margin and with the other ones would make a smaller margin so we were aware of the risks but we went ahead with that you know, and then here's the result you know so also <laughs> when we see these kinds of things of course there's a bias we don't always see the projects that are running very well because the you know the buyer doesn't need us because everything is going very well. So sure. so what we see we're like like the lawyers, you know, a litigation lawyer. They 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 must have this perception of the world, you know, after twenty years working in that uh, in that field that everybody is out there to uh, to get you, you know, uh, yeah. because they keep seeing people. They say, oh, you know. I've, have been um, uh, how to say uh, ripped off. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I've been cheated. You know they keep hearing that all day long, and they keep working on such cases. So of course they have an mm. idea in their mind that everybody's bad. So we are biased, uh, just like everybody. Maybe a bit more, a bit less. I don't know, but we are biased. But when we 
help one of our clients sort of screen through potential suppliers mm. through a list and there comes a point often where they say, well, this is sort of my analysis, you know. So let's say we've done initial audits and a little bit of offline uh, due diligence, not offline, but offsite, I should say, uh, mm-hmm. looking at the government website, things like that. And then we say, well, you know, we had three companies, they look like they are manufacturers. It looks like they, yeah looks like they're working on this kind of product and we, we've seen it. So they are working on this kind of product and they're not great. You know, none of them is, is great because usually the, the buyer, yeah, sometimes the buyer already removed the ones that were maybe more expensive, but more experienced and better, you know, but uh, so we say, well, you know, very often we have this case where none of them is really great. And then they say, yeah, but like this one is 20% cheaper, you know, or 30% cheaper. And we're like, well, be careful. Don't just look at the price. <laughs> uh, and, and, and again, picking the cheapest supplier is very often pointed to after the fact as a really bad decision, which is why we always say, be very careful, be very careful. Are you sure? You know? mm. And suppliers... Usually it's, it's, um, suppliers that are kind of desperate to get the business. They're very motivated and they will say, well, we really want to get the business sort of no matter what, you know, and if they are 20%, 30% cheaper than, than other manufacturers in their area that are roughly the same size, how is it? You know, do they have a cost base that's 20 to 20% cheaper? No. Hmm. Maybe their price doesn't even cover the cost of buying you know, the materials that are needed at, at the grade and the standard that, that's needed. So yeah. what's going on here? You know, that's that's really the question mm. is that buyers very often look at it and they, they ask us to basically like probe a bit deeper and see, you know, okay, are they really bad? Like try to, mm. they ask a lot of questions, you know, and then maybe the supplier that's really motivated, they will provide a lot of information. They'll say, oh, uh, we work with um, such and such big customers, uh, but we cannot give you the, you know, typically it's smaller factories, right? So they will say, well, we cannot give you the reference or whatever. Anyway, we cannot even show you any papers because it's, um, we work, you know, through intermediaries. Mm-hmm. And and then that means like there's no way to check and it's, we have to, to take it as BS, you know, because this yeah. has been a trick. Oh, you know, this goes through a Hong Kong trading company and then we don't really know. We don't really see, you know, they've been saying that for 40 years and maybe it's one of their friends or whatever. And then they have the story and they say, oh, we do this, we do that. Right. So these kind of things is hot air, as I say, it is really mm-hmm. not meaningful at all. And then they say, oh, and, and then maybe it's a, a regulated industry and they say, oh, there's no problem because we, we work for such, you know, big customer on um, a product that that's also in that industry also falls under the same standards. So we're, we're sure we can um, we can pass. Yeah, I'm like, okay, well, do you know, you know, what technical standard, you know, what IEC standard or ISO standard or whatever, you know, ASTM standard um, is a technical standard that you need to pass. Oh, yeah, is this, and uh, we're sure we can pass because. Um, the other stuff we produce like this also falls in that category and we pass. Okay, but you were not involved in the design of the product, right? You were just handed the product and has to, to manufacture it in a certain way. 
maybe you were even given the materials, you know, delivered the materials, you just did a little bit of maybe cutting and kitting things together or whatever. Simple assembly, you know, mm-hmm. there's no way to get it wrong, basically. But then from there, they get very optimistic and they say, oh, yeah, there's no problem. We can pass because, uh, you know, we, we, we have experience on that. Well, no, you don't have experience on that. <laughs> you, you, you know, the product was compliant through the efforts of other parties and you, you, you have no idea what it did that was mm. right or that was wrong. So you, you don't know anything, you know, but, but think of, think of it from the perspective of the relatively inexperienced buyer. You say, well, these guys are manufacturers, you know, they, they know a thing or two, right? They have this machinery. They've been working on this kind of, of, of products. They know the sources to get the equip the, the, the materials and components and so on. And they, they really want the business. So that's a good sign. Yeah. They give me a really good price because they really want it. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. that's good, right? So <laughs> we, we kind of have to pop the bubble. Uh, uh, that, that's kind of a French expression, but uh, we need to, to remove their, their uh, rose-colored glasses, basically. Yeah, yeah. Right? We, yeah. we need to inject some, um, some, some uh, realism here. We need to oh, ask t- the hard questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually, when you're when you're saying these points, you know, if 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 you've got this supplier who's promising you some, you know, making some impressive claims and promising you some, you know, things that you really want from a supplier. To be fair, when sourcing, you'd probably be asking these questions of any supplier. But because we're t- because we're talking about one that's offering the cheapest prices, it's probably even more important to be doing that. Yeah, yeah. Um, again. The real question is how can they get these lower prices yes. that are much lower than the others? You know, how, like, is it that in the sourcing stage, some other suppliers that also had the same price structure mm. were not identified and how come? And maybe there's a lot of them. Okay. Mm. But then if, if, if there was a significant effort put in, in identifying potential suppliers and some other suppliers of the same size, sort of in the same area, making the same kinds of products were asked to, to provide a quote and they're all much more expensive. The question mm. is how, because all these others, I mean, we're not talking about airplane or, or aerospace parts or, you know, some medical advanced medical components or something like that. No, no, no. We're talking about relatively simple consumer goods. Okay. Mm. Uh, most of the time. Okay, because usually this is what these kinds of inexperienced new buyers go after, right? So these factories, you know, especially relatively small factories, and you ask a bunch of them, they are not pumping their price up by 40%, just expecting you to negotiate it down. Now, sometimes, you know, if it looks like you have very deep pocket, <laughs> they might, all right? So there's a little bit of an art here. But if, if, if you take that out of the equation, if if a company gives you a price that twenty to thirty percent lower than than the others, they are bidding, you know, at, at a loss. Mm-hmm. And is this something that you can count on for the relatively long term? <laughs> Good luck with that. You know, do you want to roll the dice, or do you want to play Russian roulette? Maybe I should say mm-hmm. uh, for a small importing business that might be the the one big mistake that just kills them, right? Yeah. That, that happens all the time. So mm. do you want to play the Russian roulette? Do you want to go ahead and see, well, if 
for some reason that you don't understand and already uh, that means that's it that's a problem right here but let's say you don't understand there's a reason okay why their cost base somehow is much cheaper and and everything goes right and it doesn't impact the safety of the product the functionality the the, the durability reliability of the product and so on and so forth and 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 you can put that on the market and for years you enjoy that extra cost advantage well great yeah you're probably doing good business however chances are and when i say chances are you know it's more than 90% sure that at one point they will they will notice or maybe they already know that hey my costs are low uh, are higher than what i quoted so they're going to basically have to do one of two things they might chip in the product so you ask for that grade of steel and they give you that other grade of steel which is whatever much softer and not not that good or you you ask for a certain design and then they even change the shape a little bit they cut a bit shorter things like that so basically they they chip in the product you know they mm. they buy the the cheapest of everything they buy the cheapest i don't know solder paste if they do pcb and then you don't even pass ross uh, regulations you can have all kinds of problems with this. You can have products that are non-compliant that's tested by the market surveillance authorities and you might have to withdraw them from the market, right? You might get some big chargebacks and, and you know from maybe a retailer that you sell, sell into and then you might lose that account forever. All kinds of things can happen, right? Mm-hmm. It might be like a electrical product and then the, the, the charger catches fire or explodes. Uh, who, who knows, right? Mm-hmm. So... That's one thing. They might chip in the product or just to to bring their costs down. Or they're going to tell you, oh, well, you know, actually, we, uh, now that we, we're putting it, you know, we're doing the production, we see that it's, uh, you know, it's, it's costing us costing us much more than we thought. So uh, we have to push the price up by 20%. And then next year they will say, oh, the, the wages and everything is, you know, the, the costs are going up and look at the cost of whatever aluminum, you know, is going up. You know, we need to do another 20% and then you can negotiate maybe 15%. But, but by that point, maybe you've also paid them to do tooling maybe and, and things like that that are in their factory. You have no idea if another factory is going to accept that tooling, let alone the fact that maybe that factory will not even want to give you that tooling and transfer it to another factory. Right, hmm. so you're not in a position of trend. You have to no. keep continuity of supply, and maybe you priced too low to your own customers. <laughs> you're gonna be the one, keep, you know, taking the loss, and then mm-hmm. having to explain to your customers that you know your price has to go up twenty percent. How's that gonna gonna go? All right, probably not too not well. Well, yeah. So, one of these two things is gonna happen, or maybe both of them at the same time. So, be, be careful. And also, even if you have a contract with them, this is really the kicker, I think. Even if you have a manufacturing contract with them and they don't comply with that contract, maybe you have you know, a quality criteria and everything, and then they deliver things to you that are not up to, that, uh, to, to this quality criteria. Or they just raise the price, even though the contracts say that uh, you know, the price was whatever guaranteed and stable for the next two years or something. What are you going to do? You know, you're going to sue them in China. It's going to go mm. in front of a, a judge, and the judge in China is going to apply the test of 
okay, does this sound fair? What is fair in my mind? You know, what is fair in this situation? <laughs> whatever you write in your contract, it will still go through that test. And if things in your contract seem a bit, you know, um, excessive and fair to the judge, you might just ignore them. And a very good defense from the supplier will be, oh, but our cost is much lower, was low, so they knew that quality was, would not be very high. That's actually mm. a very good form of defense in China from what I read. I think anybody accustomed to China will know if you go walk, you know, the markets of China, there are a, a large range of different qualities of, of the same type of product. So I guess mm. when you're when you're in the West, you know this, Renault. if you're in France or, you know, I'm in the UK or in the States, if you go to a store, you're probably going to be buying products that are of a roughly similar high quality a lot of the time off off of the shelf mm. but in china they're literally telling you you know like i've got three options i've got low quality medium quality and then the highest quality so that uh that kind of mindset absolutely exactly. i'm not surprised it pervades even into a legal sense oh yeah i mean even in in hospitals they will tell you you know do you want a fake medicine or the real medicine yeah. you know it's uh, it's more yeah. expensive. <laughs> oh, you're a foreigner. Maybe you maybe you want the good stuff. Well, it's, yeah. it's more expensive, you know. <laughs> what, what's the alternative? Well, you know, <laughs> medicine is not all very, you know, not not the best stuff. You know? Okay, mm. so you 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 put the finger on a very good very good point here, and taking a step back, it's very important to think of the um, sort of stereotypes of Chinese factories. And I wrote an article about that more than 10 years ago, like the three or four types of Chinese factories. And mm. you look at the um, the factories that are formed, obviously they don't come out and like hire a thousand people, right? So they're formed and they, they're small. And they will get, you know, a little bit of work from whatever, the brother-in-law and a little bit of work from you know, a contact that has too much work and it's their peak season, so they subcontract a bit to you. And then there's some trading companies. You give them a good price and they will give some small orders to you. And then over time, you know, hopefully you kind of learn the ropes of the, of the business and you, you make more contacts and you start to have, you know, your own booth, maybe at the Canton Fair and your, your, your Alibaba profile and you start to put a bit of money into this and you have you start to have your own customers maybe and so on. But this is a process where you start at the bottom of the round, very cheap, and you just get get the business because you're cheap. Okay. And you're no good. You are not good. You know, like it's the boss of the boss wife and and maybe a sister or a brother, you know, one takes care of mm. the accounting because who knows, uh, you know, you're not going to tell the truth to the to, to the tax department or anything, right? But we need someone that we can trust. <laughs> and then you hire a few people to do the work, and you. Um, but there's no there's no process engineers. There's no quality people. There's no it's not no, no such thing, right? It's just materials come in. We do something just good enough as fast as possible. Put it in the box. Ship it out, right? And 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 then they start to have some direct customers and they're very happy about that and generally 
you know, not, not all of them, but a lot of them would be quite aggressive. Like they will say whatever. They will make up whatever documents are needed, right? Just to get the business by hook or by crook, you know? That, that's, um, that's sort of the spirit in, in a lot of these cases. Okay, and that's where when you do a sourcing exercise and you, you have 20 different factories, you do a little bit of uh, search and, and initial due diligence and you 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 you, you get down to maybe uh, seven of them and you ask for initial pricing. These ones will be very aggressive. They'll give you a price, sometimes half the normal price. Because whatever, let's let you know, we need to get on this train. We'll find a way later. Let, let's get on this train. Let's get it. Let's get it, right? And they will say again whatever you want to to hear, okay? And to a relatively inexperienced buyer, this sounds like a deal that's too good to be true. And okay, let, let you know, let's do it. Let's try. Uh, mm-hmm. They're very optimistic. They really want my business. I'm very happy about that. <laughs> well, in China, that's, when you have a bit of experience, you you're like, well, um, something wrong here, right? But when you're not experienced, you think, well, they will really bend over backward and they will work hard and, and um, you know, they, they don't even want to, to make any profit or whatever. They and they, they are smart. Maybe they, they, they find ways to, to make it faster or something so it's cheaper. You know, they have better sources. Who knows? Let's, let's just try. Let's go, just go with them, right? Because they're so enthusiastic. Mm. And if you work with this kind of, of, of supplier, you need to have your team on the ground. I mean, Seriously, we well, need to really engage a company like ours, like to spend a lot of time with them. Okay, the price that they quote is not the cost to you. You need to apply your own structure on top of it to sort of manage the process, because anything is possible. Okay, so this is like the the ones at the bottom of the pyramid, let's say, right? The the simplest structures and and small organizations. And then you have the medium mm. ones, you know, a bit more structured, prices a bit higher. They kind of know where they stand and what kind of customer they need to go after and things like that. And then you have the, 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 the bigger ones, usually more structured, very focused on big orders from big companies like big box stores and, and so on. And they tend to be organized a bit differently. Okay. And usually if you don't place large orders, they will not take your, your, your business. They won't even respond to your inquiry when you mention what volumes you, you're about to buy. Okay. So mm-hmm. keep that in mind. It's very important. And when you work with smaller, smaller factories, and if you want the best price, you will be drawn to these smaller factories. Well, if you hire a firm like us to go there and do an initial audit, and you buy something, let's say, sort of arts and craft kind of products in EWU or something like that, where a lot of the factories will be in EWU or some some cheap, simple, I don't know, plastic molded products around Ningbo. And you go for, again, you know, you select the suppliers that, that give you uh, already a pretty good price. We're not going to tell you, oh, this one is great, you know, because all of them will tend to be so-so you know, somewhere between poor and sort of average for that factory size, but mm. really nowhere near, like, great, you know. So actually, an initial audit will not help you much 
it will help you sort of weed out those that are the worst. Okay, but it's not going to really help you distinguish. Oh, like this one is a is a fifty. This one is a fifty-five. You know, it, it doesn't mean that much in terms of of difference. You know, so it's not a very good discriminating tool. You need to actually have a project manager or somebody. You know, get down there and talk to the people and see. You know, and and look at talk to the boss. You know, and and okay, like do you have a technical background? Do you have a salesperson background? Do you have what are your key people in your factory? What kind of experience do they have? What kind of customers you tend to work with? That's a bit of an art. You know, you, you give that quote, I don't know, for example, for, for, for tooling, let's say for plastic injection molding, and it's 40% lower than, than some others. Okay, how come? You know, Maybe you don't tell mm. them that they're much cheaper, but then you say, well, you give that quote, but did you actually like do an initial drawing of the of the um, of the tooling? Did you do a DFM analysis? Do you do you know? Do you have an idea about the consumption per part? Do you, how did you do the calculation? Mm. What you know? What what exact polymer are you going to use? You know, you, you try to understand like, do they even know what yeah. is behind the quote, or did you just they just pulled it out of somewhere? Um, <laughs> just guessing and, it. That's it. Yeah, right, right. Mm. Like, instead of thinking, what is it going to cost us? And then we add 10%, you know, sort of. Mm. They're going to say, well, but this kind of stuff, if we have to get the business, what kind of price do we need to give? You know? Mm. And then they say, well, other factories would tend to quote whatever, $5, then we're going to give $4. Boom, 25% cheaper. Yeah. But it's <laughs> right? not going to be good when they we're come back to, to you business. and say, you your tooling is going to cost an extra forty, fifty thousand dollars. Yeah, or, or or maybe all oh, the tooling. Oh, we did it, but actually, well, it took us a lot more uh, resources to do. So actually, it's not the full price. So you know, it's not yours. But don't worry, we'll just <laughs> amortize it on the on the cost of production. Oh, and by the way, that means the cost of the, the unit cost of the product, you know, has to go up thirty <laughs> percent. Because also awesome. now that we have the tooling, we see it consumes more more of the material or something so you know right. oh we need to bump it up so and you've lo- and you've lost have... your ip <laughs> right 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 yeah. so gives them a lot of excuses to to mess up with you and mm. actually you know what you didn't check so if you don't check in china you don't know mm-hmm. you trust them without verifying you know, as a buyer, are you actually doing your job? You know, this is kind of the the right way of thinking about it. It's really buyer beware. You know, don't don't just listen to them. Oh, okay, they they mention all the right stuff. Okay, all right. Yeah. So that's um cautionary tale here. <laughs> mm, absolutely. Yeah. So it, oh, I suppose in in a way, it's it's kind of common sense, isn't it? And you're just laying it out on the line there. But what I like is that you have also explained some of the ways that you can be checking, and that's important. If you're going to be spending tens, even, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars with a supplier, then surely it's worth spending some money doing the due diligence work in advance, spending some money on the flight out to China, just getting in there and actually seeing if the facts measure up to what you've been told. Yeah. Uh, but but actually some people don't. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So anything that's relatively safety critical, so anything mm-hmm. that has to do with uh, children products, electrical products that 
plug into the socket, you know, these kind of things for medical devices, something like that, definitely not. You know, automotive parts, oh, yeah. whatever, you know. Ah, do you really want to run a risk here? I mean, you know, some people might die, right? So yeah. um, if it's a hazardous, potentially hazardous product, um, you, you you don't really want, I mean, I would never advise someone to even look into a, a supplier that's substantially cheaper than the others, okay? Mm. Uh, yeah. Because it's kind of a red flag in itself. Now, you know, very simple product, uh, doesn't even touch food, uh, definitely not appealing to kids, absolutely not safety, you know, safety critical, functional critical, not critical for anything, <laughs> promotional items, you know, to give away or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sorry, I, I had to say it because it's, um, we don't want to encourage people to, to work with the cheapest supplier in general, right? No, of course, of course. Of course. Yeah. The, the, I mean, d- the due diligence, I think we're always uh, supportive of people doing due diligence in detail anyway. And yeah, as you've rightly pointed out, cheapest suppliers are not going to be okay in certain pro- product categories. That's just, uh, yeah, that's that's a good point. I think you were also, also asking, you know, what, what can go wrong when you work with a really cheap or, or, or a bad supplier? Because cheap is just a proxy for, you know, potentially bad. It's sort yeah, of a... Yeah amber flag in some cases a red flag right but really what happens is one of the things they wait until you know they send you some samples and say hey you you know like issue an order issue an order okay and then like hey you got to send 30 percent deposit oh, okay then you send 30 percent non-refundable deposit you know it's not really mm-hmm. refundable because then they will say oh but we bought the, the material just for your order you know so we cannot refund it right so there's an advance payment <laughs> And then they say, oh, um, the supplier for that material just told us, like, they misquoted or, so, or maybe the price just moved up a lot. Sorry, like, we have to requote, you know, the, the price is different. It's like this. Oh, but we just bought because we know you're in a hurry, right? So we did not wait. So let's go ahead with that. And you're like, ah, oh, what? <laughs> right? Or maybe they go into production. And then they say, well, for the next order, wow, you know, it's really, or maybe for, for this order already, or maybe for the next order. But usually they tell you at the last minute. Like the second mm-hmm. order, you send a deposit and they start and they say, oh, by the way, um, yeah, we reviewed the data from last time. Like we had a lot of scrap material that we could not reuse. And, and we had to put like two more inspectors on it. And so it goes up 20%. Then what do you do, right? Another one is that they're quite unreliable in terms of uh, follow-up communication, uh, on-time shipment, anything like that. Also, uh, quality. Uh, obviously, um, as I mentioned, one of two things is going to happen. They might cheapen the product and or, or raise their price to you. Okay, mm-hmm. So if they cheapen the product, guess what? You might get products that are worth zero to you because you cannot sell them, you cannot use them. So it's yeah. worse, it's much worse if they cheapen the product without telling you than if they raise the cost on you. Because if they raise the, they raise the price, or they, raise, they raise the price on you 20%. Okay, you all pay by 20% related, you know, compared to your original projections, but you can still do something with your product. And maybe you're making 50% margin, who knows, right? I mean, you're still making some margin. But if you, you pay 20% less or 10% less, 
you make more margin on paper, but then you get the products and you have to bring it all to the dump and maybe even pay another company to to destroy it, right? After you've paid for transportation, duties, everything. Mm. Terrible. As yep. they say, I read that a few times, it's always uh, make me laugh, but it's so true. Uh, the sweet cost, and I don't know who said that, it is a quote also here and there. So, um, you know, unknown author, but the sweet taste of, of low price is nothing compared with the bitter bitter taste of low quality, mm. right? Where, like, if it's not good enough, you can't do anything. Yeah. So paying even $1 is too much for it, mm-hmm. right? So you, you, they, they had you, right? Your product intellectual property rights, if you work with smaller companies that are ready to do anything, uh, maybe lying to you about their experience, lying, you know, over-representing their capabilities and everything. Mm-hmm. Who knows what else they might do? Maybe they, mm-hmm. maybe they make a loss on your product, but they think it's pretty cool, and they will make the same product and sell it, you know, in 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 other countries and maybe to their other customers. So they're basically paying you <laughs> through low cost, okay, low low prices, but making making it up behind your back. And maybe it's much worse to you. Yeah. Right? And then, do you think you're going to get transparency about where they buy the materials, where this comes from and that comes from, and so on? Mm. Very probably not. Less likely. Okay. Yeah. So these are some of the, the the most common types of issues that happen when you work with with bad suppliers. Mm. Okay, so everything you've spoken about so far, well, not everything, a lot of the things you've spoken about so far sound pretty bad. And Mm. I guess our focus is on smaller manufacturers and ones who are probably not as, and I'm using air quotes, good. So is it, if you do find one, and they do seem to show some promise, is it possible to get them to do a good job? Hmm. Possible, yes. And there are some some very good stories here and there, you know, about a buyer who picked a relatively small factory. And very often is when the buyer themselves are starting or starting in, starting their business maybe, or starting in a new category and with small volumes, you know, and then they pick a small factory and the price is good and seems like they are quite motivated. Okay, let's try. Let's see how it goes. Yeah. Mm. And then the buyer grows or grows in this category and they become a main customer or the, the biggest customer of the that small factory that grows along with them. And then if you, and there's actually a lot of cases of this happening. I saw a lot of cases. And in some cases, things go well, but like, you know, the buyer is maybe concern because the suppliers start to think they have too much power because they are the main, you know, maybe they are the sole supplier or the main supplier. And they think that they are the only ones who really understand the customer's needs and maybe the technology and everything. And they, they keep certain things close to the vest. And then the, the buyer is thinking, well, I re- now we have a big business. We have to to do, you know, double sourcing of, you know, for the main product and, and so on. We cannot rely on just one supplier because the entire business is a real business, right? Maybe it's new like investors who push for it and things like that. 
but but the main supplier is resisting and making it harder and everything. Okay, but still, it's a good problem to have, right? Mm. You can still rely on them. In most cases, you can rely on them. Maybe in some cases, the buyer wants to grow faster, but then the supplier is conservative and says, well, you know, right here, like we have 200, 300 people. If we grow, we have to move, go to another place, blah, blah, blah. Like, uh, you know, maybe the owner thinks, hey, I'm 65 or something. My, my, my kids don't want to take that job. Like, I'm just going to keep running it a bit, but, you know, I want things to be stable. I don't want anything you know, crazy, right? So you get into these kinds of, I would say, good problems because it means that at least the supplier did not let them down. Mm. And they, they made it work over the years. So that's good. Um, in a lot of cases, to get to that, the buyer has to really be involved and help them a lot and fly yeah. fly over, keep the relationship alive. And so in some cases, the buyer really teaches them, hey, to do this with this technology and this kind of component and everything, okay, you need to buy there, you need to do this, you need to buy this kind of equipment. Let, let us transfer some of the technology to you so you know how to do and everything, right? And then for the supplier, wow, this is such an opportunity. If they are smart, they see that this one buyer will make, will just allow them to, to be a success, right? We'll just make it um, for them. And they follow and they, 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 and they learn and they, and, and they do what's required and so on. And so there's some, some amazing stories about that, right? Where it really goes very well. Now there's also mm-hmm. stories about the supplier, you know, learning everything they can and then stabbing the, 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 the buyer in the back. I mean, think of um, Cisco and, and Huawei, right? I mean, Huawei was, was nothing. <laughs> and uh, Cisco was subcontracting all the hardware. And uh, well, <laughs> what happened happened you know somebody just uh, you know knew everything you know or let's say as much as they could and they they used various ways to steal intellectual property and and uh, look at where they are now and look mm-hmm. at where Cisco is now where Cisco was for a short period of time around 2000 the most valuable company on, on, on the planet well mm-hmm. look look you know look at who who is more um more of a bigger player, right? More successful in the marketplace now. Mm-hmm. It's their um, their contract manufacturer of the time. So you got to be careful. So, <laughs> uh, but it, this is really cautionary tale for let's say uh, technology companies, right? If you buy um, yeah. salt and pepper sets or things like that. It really doesn't apply, okay. right? So, at least that's something you should not worry too much about. Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Okay, great. Well, there you go. That's something to think about, and as you mentioned, especially for technology companies. You mentioned a blog post that you wrote some time ago. We've also got other links to, you know, some of the ways that we can help with due diligence, which are worth checking out. So those will be in the show notes and. We will be back with the podcast next week. Thanks again for listening to this podcast brought to you by the Sophies Group. We're on a mission to provide you with everything you need to manufacture effectively in Asia, including inspections, 
auditing, new product development support, contract manufacturing, 3PL warehousing and fulfillment, and much, much more across Asia's key manufacturing areas. Visit us at sofeast.com, that's S-O-F-E-A-S-T dot com, to learn more and get help. If you've enjoyed the podcast today, please do rate, review and share because it will really help others discover us too.